Hello, and welcome to The X-Ray. I'm Fernando Espuelas. First, let me explain what we're doing here. There are a lot of great podcasts, and there's some really great political podcasts, but we're doing something different. We're taking a different road. We're taking a fresh look at our political system. Introducing The X-Ray, a new political podcast about political power. Who wants it, who wills it, and why? A penetrating analysis of the biggest issues facing American politics. Interviews with power players, conversations with politicos, experts, and national journalists. And a special segment called X-Ray Vision, a fun exploration of the real person behind the political title. I'm your host, Fernando Espuelas, and I hope you'll join me every week on The X-Ray. For more information, check out thexray.org, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. The X-Ray is a project of Issue One. I'm Weston Womp, and this is Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One. Hi, I'm Weston Womp, and this is a special episode of Swamp Stories, focused on the January 6th hearings. A bipartisan committee in Congress continues to hold a series of important hearings to shed light on the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol by rioters hoping to prevent a peaceful transfer of power. We're continuing our series of special conversations with leading political experts in response to the hearings to dive into what happened, what we learned, and how members of both parties are responding to events. Today, I'm speaking with Al Schmidt, former Republican Philadelphia City Commissioner and former member of the Philadelphia County Board of Elections. Al, thanks for your time and uh, and for your service, both to your community and then here in a historic set of circumstances to the country. You know, there are some members of our party who would like for the events around January 6th to just kind of fade into history, I think. But you experienced firsthand the consequences of President Trump's statements undermining the integrity of our elections. Why is it important that we understand fully what led up to January 6th? Well, I think for a couple of reasons, um, some a little bit forward-looking and some a little bit backward-looking in terms of documenting history. I think one of the most important things the committee is doing is creating a historical record to lay out the chronology and to lay out the context of what led up to January 6th and how it was built around lies about the 2020 election that led to, for example, threats to election workers across the country, Democrats and Republicans in big cities and rural counties uh, and their families, in my case and many others. Uh, and also led up to the violence uh, that we saw on January 6th. So it's backward looking, I think, in that sense, like in a good way, that this be documented for history. I think it's important that it's also forward looking so that we can uh, go into the next couple of elections and cycles ahead with our eyes wide open uh, to make sure that what occurred then and led up to then uh, doesn't happen again. I think that's a very important part. And it's it's distressing that members of our party choose to cover their ears or close their eyes um, to what occurred because 
there's none of them that would possibly embrace it or think that it's a good thing. They all just sort of want to write it off as old news. What is the path forward for a party that has embraced narratives that even the election workers, and I think this is where this becomes pretty personal to you, uh, you, you know, were implicated in some kind of grand conspiracy that seems just that, that, that perspective, that conspiracy theory is so detached from the way that we have and have always executed elections in a very decentralized manner. You're totally right, Weston. And, you know, as much as there is a diversity of opinions and people from different parties and different backgrounds and their positions, when you talk to election administrators across the country, there's no difference between the Republicans and Democrats. They are following the law. It's largely a ministerial responsibility. They all want their voters' votes to be counted. If you don't want your voters' votes to be counted, you really shouldn't be in that business to begin with. And all of them do it with the utmost uh, value of the integrity of that process and never want that to be violated in any way. So it's a real problem to state the obvious that our party is embracing and indulging in this paranoid fantasy uh, that the 2020 election was stolen. Uh, because it deceives a lot of people, a lot of people that you probably know, and I know who are good and decent people who are smart people, and have ha just had their minds poisoned by all of the lies that they've been consuming. And that's a real concern for the future, for sure. I'm sure it didn't conjure up a positive experience for you and your family. But to those who downplay what happened, both on January 6th and the president's role in perpetuating conspiracy theories. You were on the very front end of this as Philadelphia, even really beginning on election night, the day after came into focus. Clearly you could tell this was you know, part of the president's strategy here was to focus on places like Philadelphia where there may be a, a reputation a half a century old. Uh, you know, just talk about your experience before and after the president mentioned you and used that now kind of notorious term rhino. You know, it didn't exactly come as a surprise uh, because they were pretty conspicuous about it leading up to uh, the 2020 election. Bad things happened in Philadelphia. The former president said in a debate, his surrogates like Newt Gingrich were suggesting that the army should be sent in to run the election in, in Philadelphia and all sorts of crazy things. Um, I, but there's a big difference between uh, seeing a punch uh, coming in your direction and that punch actually hitting. So while it didn't come as a surprise, it doesn't mean it's not impactful. And in my case, I had been in the safest place in the world at the Pennsylvania Convention Center, surrounded by Philadelphia police officers on the outside, sheriff's deputies on the inside, we're very safe. And it's also probably why a lot of the threats were targeting uh, my family, targeting my kids, uh, mentioning them by name and their ages and our address, what they're going to do to them, and all sorts of other ugliness. The whole point is to kind of terrorize and to coerce and to get you to not do your job. 
which is to count your voters' votes and tell the truth. Um, and you know, I just want to add, I'm not alone in this experience. This happened across the country, Democrats and Republicans alike, in in counties that Biden won and counties that Trump won. I know that you and I have had similar experiences, albeit your your personal lived experience was more harrowing, but we've had the same experience encountering different degrees of skepticism on our side of the aisle about the 2020 election. I can't help but go back and point out how well Republicans down ballot performed. And what is your go-to kind of elevator pitch to those who are still trying to figure out what happened? Was any of what President Trump was trying to stir up based in fact? Where, where do you go with fellow Republicans just to try to build a bridge? You know, it's it's strange from the standpoint of Philadelphia, because not only did down ballot Republicans do well, but President Trump did much better, former President Trump did much better in 2020 than he did in 2016. His vote total increased by about 25 percent in Philadelphia in 2020 than what it was in in 2016, which is extraordinary. But it was clear that they we're going to target Philadelphia and Detroit and a number of other cities around the country. I don't know their minds, but I can kind of imagine why they would target those places um, for political purposes uh, in trying to discount our voters' votes and our results before a single vote was cast. But the president actually outperformed here. He did, former president, uh, did pretty well, Trump. Um, uh, so, I mean, you know, I, I think th there's a real disconnect that doesn't really stop anyone from embracing these things. None of these things have been said relative to Philadelphia or any place else with any evidence backing them up to begin with. So those facts are, are not getting in their way for sure. Hey, as we wrap up, your thoughts on the 2000 Mules theory and quote unquote documentary that has uh, you know caught on like wildfire in some conservative circles uh, you had a very close role in seeing exactly how the 2020 election was um, was executed in in a major american city can you just talk about kind of the specific allegations therein you know it's it's i i so often say and think about how important it is to not be dismissive or condescending when talking to people who have a different point of view, even if there's no truth to it at all. It's hard not to when it comes to that. Um, using geolocation in at locations for drop boxes in public places. So anyone who walked past the south side of City Hall on their way to or from work, on their way to or from lunch, or both, or walking by to go wherever, any tourist, anybody else, would have shown up on their radar as having visited a Dropbox. Even if they were 100 feet away, it would show up as having visited a, a, that Dropbox. Um, it, it, it's it's not evidence. It's like a desperate attempt to try to add some sort of empirical evidence to something that is entirely lacking any evidence at all. Uh, and what they're providing is not evidence of anything. 
Thanks for listening to Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One, the country's leading political reform organization that unites Republicans, Democrats, and independents to fix our broken political system. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. Even better, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners. You can find out more at swampstories.org. I'm your host, Weston Wong. A special thank you to executive producer Doki Fashian, senior producer Evan Ottenfield, producer Sidney Richards, and editor Parker Tant from parkerpodcasting.com. Swamp Stories is recorded in Tennessee, edited in Texas, and can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.